1: Everyone relax. This is Toe Ironically,
0: I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fop. Faux Faux. I'm Will Anderson and uh, guest Charlie Clawson, first time guest Charlie Clawson, uh, Jim Short is here. Hello, Jim. Hey, mate. How are you? Mate, I'm good. So firstly, let's get to the fact that we've become friendly here in the United States of America, uh, but you have a, a mixed
1: accent because people might be hearing you for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sort of hard to identify because, because I exist... In uh, both places, Australia and the United States, and yet I don't exist in either. Right. I feel like a nobody person, like the in-between. I'm not accepted by either one. Born in Brisbane. Yep. Grew up in Brisbane. And you know that because of the way you say Brisbane. Brisbane. You don't say Brisbane. Brisbane, right? Brisbane is up near San Francisco. That's where the airport is. (laughs) Right. There's a city called Brisbane. Okay. And uh, in fact, that was going to be my documentary from Brisbane to Brisbane, (laughs) a, a travel show, you know, back and forth. Uh, that, that would follow up from from waffles to falafels, you know. That, that was the, the food one. But,
0: yeah. I love the idea that you pitch an entire series of travel just based on from one rhyming
1: place <laughs> to another rhyming place. Uh, that, that's what it is. There, you got to keep from it, the a very easy pitch. One sentence, right? As long as it kind of sounds like the other one too, right? That makes it easier. Do for you have people something that, more
0: romantic and racy? Uh, <laughs> Eiffel Tower to Golden Shower.
1: <laughs> Actually we were going to do uh, we, we we was I was well now I'm jumping around. I was just in Paris, my very first time there. Yeah. Shooting with uh, some video with with the UK comedian Paul Foot. And we Margaret love Paul show. Yes. And, uh, and we were going to do something from Eiffel to Offal. Oh. Like we'd be at the Eiffel Tower yeah. and then we would go to one of those restaurants where they serve awful. awful. Cuz they're both into that. But you yeah. know, yeah, that's I like to work with the words. But right. we didn't we didn't do either one. No, I, but, but it was the idea was good. Yeah. The, the title's too good to give up.
0: Right. I enjoy that though. That's a nice way. It's you've essentially um you you're doing it like you're writing murder mysteries. <laughs> You started <laughs> yeah, right. with the crime and then you're working backwards. You're like, I've got a great title. Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah, yeah. Let's just work
1: out a show around yeah, it. Yeah, I'll figure out the clues of how we get there. Yeah, that's right. brilliant. So you were born in Brisbane. Born and in there, what happened? And then. Um, how long are you in Brisbane for? I lived there till I was 12. Okay, so and that's, then, yeah. that's why you've still got. You can definitely. There's th- enough of something there, yeah. absolutely. But, um, the, the, you know, then at my family, we moved to the US. And we weren't really sure, you know, you know, I'm 12, so I don't know the, the process of this, but we, right. m- we moved to the States and we end up in Texas of mm. all places, which I know some people go, oh, they're kind of the same because they're big, wide open, right. rugged, individualistic sort of people, but it's still Texas. It's right. not like Australia at all, really. I mean, there's a bit of a, you know, you can find a mindset anywhere, but Texas and Brisbane are not the same. Right. You know, so for everybody that goes, oh, it's like the same place. No, no not it's not. really. really. You know, there's a bit of desert and there's a bit of, but you know. Um, but we ended up in Texas. And so I, I grew up so what, from what, that age in the US. So I've lived now, in the US longer than What I than know Australia. about
0: uh, going to high school in Texas, I mostly got from Friday Night Lights.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Uh, is, is it pretty much like that? Well, y- yeah, it's real, it's real big football. Not footy. Football, American football. It's really, it's really that. It's really centred around that. And did you play American football? No, I'm not a sports person in at general. All. I mean, that, I mean that was one thing. Even in Australia, as a child, I was not good at the. Right. You know, I, I'd rather be inside, painting. Or doing art, right? You know, but that's every, probably yeah. why you guys had to go to Texas. Yeah, exactly. They probably exactly. <laughs> Your parents well, are like, "We're moving." No, I the neighbourhood got together. I know, right? I don't drink. <laughs> I don't play the sports. Right. So Australia kicked me out. They said you're, you're a bad representation. Art? Fuck I know, off. I know. right? get on a boat. But Fuck that, off. That was it. In the seventies, it was. It was. You're going to go out and you're going to play cricket. You're not yep. going to sit in here right. like an asshole painting. You're not going to be drawing. You're going to mm. be out there. And really, literally, it was that the girls would or at be least get out in the backyard and draw some pictures of people playing cricket (laughs) at the very least (laughs) it was school was i don't know mate because school there was really strict what do you mean uh, well it was really strict the school the system and then when i came to, to to texas they got away with murder I mean, now they do get away with murder, you know. But, um, well, they don't get away with it, but they just commit it. But But, they do it, yeah. You know, but, you know, it was really
0: one of those sort of schools. What do you mean by that, though? Give us an example. Because I think, particularly, and look, I have listeners all over the world to this podcast, but still, like, you know, you're talking the majority of people here in Australia. And I think we get so many, because America and pop culture in America, if you look at Hollywood films, you look at, like, you know, teen dramas on the television, are obsessed with the idea of American school and American mm-hmm. school life and American high school and yeah. you know, everything from Revenge of the Nerds through like, Clueless, through all these things that
1: you're like, is that what it's like? Is there jocks? Is there nerds? <laughs> right, what right, is right, school right. really like in America? Like, what was your experience? Well, I've really found that in Australia it was, really, uh, it was a really strict kind of – a lot of discipline. You know, there was no talking back, none right. of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this is in the in the in the mid '70s. Yeah. You know, when I was in school, there. could they then, still hit you? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, no, I I saw blokes. I mean, the 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 the, the, the vice headmaster, the deputy headmaster, whatever. Yeah. That he was a vicious bastard with the cane. Right. It would come in and kick kick over the chair with the kid in it and beat him and you know all that kind of like oh yeah pink floyd the wall kind of shit oh mate it you was know? like
0: it was like wwe wrestling without the
1: fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, like, without the belt <laughs> right yeah oh the belt would be off yeah like, yeah, yeah well the belt was you would be people. strapped with it yeah right.
1: and then you and then i come to texas and you know we were in a really small little town too but um you know it was a mouthing off and, and, and just, you know, not, I don't, I'm going to say it was complete anarchy, right. but there was shit that would go on the way I'd go, my God, you'd be, you'd be, you know, taken outside and flogged for this where That's I was to school. That's interesting. And, but, you know, I, I was a real outsider and possibly because it's, it's when you're 12 and you move, you could move across town and you're going to be disenfranchised. Right. But I know. thought
0: maybe if you come from Australia and maybe this just goes back to these fantasies I had when I was a kid yeah. that like you know i was going to move to america and go to mm-hmm. high school and you'd be the most popular kid in school because you know you were the mm-hmm. the kid from overseas cuz i know that at my school the kid from overseas always did seem yeah, you know, well, fascinating.
1: There's there's the um, there's the official sort of exchange student, right? And then there was me, weird bloke that nobody knew, right? Who <laughs> was a bit, and probably wasn't exactly thrilled to be there. So you know, I mean, I yeah, you know, like I said, I didn't I didn't play sports, I didn't you know whatever. Go to the you know I never went to the football games because I just wasn't interested,
0: right? Um, and and the football games are like a big so because I see footage. And even like – I think the thing that's fascinating to Australians in particular is you come to America and the fascination they have with college sports. Yeah. Like is – like, you know, the massive, massive sporting mm-hmm. crowds like that, you know, you'll hear the games on the radio and stuff like that. It's – they're college teams playing yeah.
1: each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's – on every level, it's it's huge. I mean, there's all that support and, and everything and, and it's just – I mean, I found myself immediately like just just a different, a different person, and probably because it was a smaller town. Maybe okay. in a bigger town, it might have been more like fit in or just sort of blend in. Here it was moved to a place where sort of maybe everybody had all grown up with each right. other. And, and then you just yep. – no, there was a there was a bit of the exotic. And I tell you what, once I started doing theatre and plays and stuff like that, it was a lot better. Right. But, I mean, it, you know, it was that typical high school thing of like, you know, like you're not a jock, you're not a nerd, you know, com- you know um, smart nerd type right. person. You're not this, you're not that. You're not like – you know one of the rebellious smoking tina teen- you're just this bloke from somewhere else you know who who likes comedy i mean you know that was my that was my thing is i really loved comedy and I, and and that time i had um i had a lot of comedy albums oh, and i think okay. that was for me that was my sort of salvation is my python albums so tell and- me which albums they were Oh, you know, all the Python stuff, like the... Uh, I enjoy this. It feels, contractual like this obligation. it feels like this
0: podcast has suddenly turned into WTF. Yeah, I know. And, and I'm Mark Maron, <laughs> and now I'm going to tell you about why why
1: I don't like you and I've never liked you. <laughs> but we'll resolve it by the end. No, yeah, so exactly. What albums were The Steve were Martin albums yep, were okay. really great. I mean, because, you know, you're talking about 1979, 1980. How do these albums come into your possession? Um, like, are they family albums? Have you collected no, these albums? No, I, I think I... I found them, you know. I found I, them? um Discovered them, seen right. them on TV. That oh, I mean, that was I a was big thing. Say, for the me. way you said "found them" sounded like they were on I railway tracks, them, yes. like discarded porn. I, no, I, I, I found them in a <laughs> shop, and then they were in my bag, and I went home. <laughs> you no. stole them. I, I, yeah. I bought them. Uh, might have been like birthday gifts or something like uh-huh. that. I came over, and at that time, I mean, late night TV in America, like Johnny Carson, yeah, and stuff like that. Which you know, there were talk shows in Australia, but not. It wasn't the same sort of thing. Oh, man. I was watching on Netflix. Um, I was that, There was a, like a,
0: a documentary about Johnny Carson. Yeah. And just some of the stuff that he was doing was like the jokes mm-hmm. were edge. Like they were showing stuff from – like normally when they show stuff from old school monologues, comedy – we, sadly And this is a revelation That we all have to Kind of deal with is That comedy moves Very quickly And what's cool in comedy Often isn't cool You know Even like A couple of years later yeah. Let alone 10 yeah. years later Or 20 years later And a lot of stuff Ages really badly Right Like there are legends Of comedy That you know That were instrumental To comedy being a thing But if you go
1: back And listen to the albums Now it's Through today's It's dated years, And it's just, You it's, don't get the it's reference It's not quick or, enough yeah, Exactly. it's exactly. not edgy it's enough, art, so it's, You could almost Yeah like re-educate yourself to like what how, what was ground breaking about this, because everything's been broken at this point. Right, yeah.
0: but also the other thing is that it, things that were probably groundbreaking at the time, like you know the first per- the time that somebody pointed out that men and women were different, or cats and dogs were different, or that
1: aeroplane that was, was a big deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. It
0: was that was that moment Nobody where that person said it. the thing that everybody else had thought up to that point, and right. everyone's like. But what happens is that people pick the eyes out of... A friend of mine saw Casablanca for the first time the other day. And they said afterwards that it felt like they'd seen it before. And I was like, well, (laughs) of course. Because every single fucking thing that happened in Casablanca has either been referenced... Stolen, parodied, parodied, whatever. Yeah, of course yeah exactly. You've seen exactly.
1: It. If you've seen "Play It Again, Sam," right. I mean, they basically redo it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's referenced in everything. Yeah, so you have yeah, you really literally have seen it before. Right, and so I think that comedy
0: suffers from that as well, which mm-hmm. is like you know, as as many people as you see, like you know, looking at Louis C.K. now, for example, and going, I'm you know, I want to be like Louis. You're gonna have a million guys who make some of the things that he talks about. Hack topics in five years. Not yes. because they were hack when he started talking about them, yeah. but because, you know, since then everybody, like Mumford and Sons, the band, uh, are very hated. But I think they're hated a lot because. When Mumford & Sons first came through, they were the only band that sounded like that. Right. And then because they were so successful, then every second song on the radio sounded
1: like a (laughs) shitty version of Mumford & Sons. Everybody went, shit, I'm going to go get a mandolin and I'm I'm going (laughs) to rock it to the top. I I don't know much of them, but I do know that um, um, he seems to be working way hard for such a simple sound. He's into it. And you're just like, mate, just settle down a bit. But he's, he's, he's got a large head. Right. But I just thought... I think the, that's um, what he's trying to do, distract from his head. Distract
0: from his head. <laughs> he was given a bit of advice early <laughs> on, which was,
1: whatever you do, distract from your head. Do as much as you can to take the emphasis off Play that gigantic... Play a tiny, ridiculous instrument, really, really big. But that just that makes looks- his head look bigger <laughs> in 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 proportion. It's like, oh, Jesus, that guitar <laughs> is small. His head is gigantic. It's, um, but I just saw the uh, the new Cohen brothers inside Louis Davis, yes. and they've done a lot of the music to it, and um, or some of the music to it, and it's really good. But they're great, you know, great versions of of older songs arranged by T Bone Burnett and people like that. So it makes it palatable. I you
0: know. uh, I am looking forward to seeing that. I love the Cohen brothers, yeah. brothers movies. Um, it looks. Uh, like that, if you okay, so maybe it maybe it looks like this, but also I've been told a little bit of this, which is it looks like the sort of movie that if, as an artist, as someone who works in the arts, that you shouldn't see if you're having a down day.
1: <laughs> would that be inaccurate <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a bit like that but then when isn't it a down day right. when you're in the arts <laughs> so just go see it but yeah if you're having a particularly down right. day you know but if it's just a normal sort of uh you know regular mm, shit is not going my way kind of day then go see it that's fine john goodman should be arrested for stealing the movie unbelievable he's just so fantastic He's, t- he's, he's just, just very good. Though. He's just—he's just so great, and he's been with the—you know—done so much stuff with the Coens. But I love that time. I mean, I love that sort of that folk music. I mean, I'm in big, big—I'm uh, big into Bob Dylan and all that whole thing. But it's sort of intermeshed too, because comedy was—you know—the the comedy as it became you know like we were talking about came out of that as well about the folk clubs there were always comics there and 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 it was that idea of going down to a basement and hearing something that maybe oh jeez this is a bit sort of you know this is a bit a bit more truth and honesty you know it came out of that scene as well so but I, that, that's I, what's great about the movie it's it's that Greenwich village of the late 50s, early 60s. It's really right. really You can 51. imagine
0: Lenny Bruce swanning in, you know, in a mm-hmm. couple of years and, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, it, I went saw so Ed Helms do a show at Largo here in LA. Yeah. Uh, he loves bluegrass music. Okay. And so he does this, like, bluegrass show where he, like, plays bluegrass music with people and, like... They had mm. some people play that, and again, it was like comedy and bluegrass, and it worked really well together. I thought really,
1: yeah, it mixed really well together. I didn't know. See, I see. That's. I didn't know he played um, bluegrass. Maybe. Yeah. What does he play? A banjo. Banjo. Yeah, yeah, and does a confu- few. It's kind of like a like a sophisticated hee haw, right? That's yeah. yeah that yeah. is that is kind of what it's like. And some of it's funny, and some of it's not funny, and some of well, it's it. Well, you like- can kind of get away with being a bit corny too, right? I mean, corn. I mean, that's the other thing. Hee haw, which you know, I don't know if everybody knows that because it's a bit older now, but it was sort of really like silly jokes in a cornfield and country music, and it and and it and, it, and it's kind of. You could have at one point gone, oh, what a bunch of, you know, rubbish this is. And, but then it's, you know, it's like everything, it turns and it becomes kind of cool and hip to go, I watched Hee Haw the other night right. and <laughs> I know what they were doing. I know they were kind of doing it on purpose. <laughs> right. And there was some really, you know, like once again, because this brings it back to the Coens, when Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out. And it was sort of that roots music, the the bluegrass and everything. It had that revival where you go, oh, that music's cool. Yeah. You know, when when you know, I saw that bloke playing a banjo. I'm like, what a redneck, stupid asshole he is. But then you go, oh no, no, it's kind of cool because these blokes are into it too. You you, when you really find out where it all comes from, there's some, and most of that comes from, you know, Scotland and all that. There are all these ballads from 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 the Highlands, you know, all the, all the music that came over. To so what you're saying is that's areas. really what the soundtrack to Highlander should have been. It should have been, yeah. It, it should, should, have, been. should have been Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. <laughs> it was really Oh Brother Where
0: Art right, And the Mumford songs, yeah. <laughs> Big dramatic fight scenes. <laughs> there can be only one. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Uh, but it does bring us back to comedy, which is this, that it's it's hard for comedy to be timeless and some, sometimes, of, sometimes. some of what you're talking about is timeless. Like, you know, things like Steve Martin and stuff like that, I think really mm-hmm. you can, you know, still today is
1: fantastic. Yeah. So, so you had Monty Python. Well, as as a kid, you know, I, I started watching Saturday Night Live. Okay. And Steve Martin would, you know, and he was he gigantic in, in 80, 81. That was big. And I got his albums. And then I tell you a big thing too was when, when – um, because TV used to sort of... Maybe there'd be like a late night movie or something or there'd be a, a news thing and then it would sort of go off um, uh, off the air. Uh, but, but then when David Letterman started in 1982 and here was this bloke doing a talk show but mm-hmm. doing it a bit different and a bit yep. weird. And I mean, I remember I was in high school when the first episode... Ed and I'd seen David a bit on TV and you know because he was sort of you'd see him on cast and whatever yeah and mate it was it was just amazing because it was it was it was always you know the the thing was and Johnny is very wonderful and cool but Johnny was almost like the older show and he is like the show for us and it really was. The, the younger person's sort of show. And that's where I saw so many great stand-up comics. Right. And I think the idea... I mean, I'd always wanted to be funny. That was something in my mind. Like, growing up as a kid, me and my dad would watch a lot of British TV shows and a lot of... Well, you know, the huge person in the 70s in Australia was 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 Hoag's. Right. Paul Hogan and his show, which was great. You know, but... But, I, you know, in my mind, it was like, oh, I want to be funny. I don't know how this is going to ever work. I just want to be funny. And, and singing, what did your parents do? Um, my dad, he was just a bit of a, you know, he did a bit of this and that. You know, he that, worked a right. lot of jobs, w- a lot of jobs in Australia. And then was we moved he was of you being funny? Ah, uh, nobody's ever encouraging of you being funny. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes you're a bit impertinent and you've got to watch your mouth. I mean, still even, but as a career, <laughs> right? it's even more like, you know, especially at that time. I mean, you know, it's hard for me to even justify it now. Right. But when I saw on Letterman, they started having these great stand-up comics on there. And that was the thing, like, oh, that's what you do. You stand up and, you know, and, and there'd been stand-up before. I'd seen stand-ups. But this was really different people and different sort of, mm-hmm. you know, more um, really clever and smart do you, and really Do you cool have memories people. of who you saw? Because I... Yeah, it, I have these same experiences probably a
0: little bit later than you because we didn't get Letterman, you know, in until Australia until later. later yeah. But I remember still yeah, growing up watching these guys and names that I still – I remember like the first time I went and played at Acme in Minneapolis, like Emo Phillips was on the next week and oh, I was yeah. like, I can't believe that I'm like playing a room like for a week and next week Emo Phillips is going to be – because I remember sitting at home as like a teenager watching Emo Phillips on fucking Letterman and that yeah. – he might as well have been on the moon, doing comedy on the moon, as far as me thinking, you know, we were never... He's the key.
1: He is. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually is. Right. If yeah. you know Emo at all, yeah. who's a brilliant bloke, but he's he's Emo, man. Right. You know. It, if it, you ever
0: make a Paul Foot movie, because I know you love Paul Foot. Yes. You, you should cast Emo as like Paul Foot in the
1: future. Oh, that, or like would be, that, would that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. Like future Paul Foot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Future <laughs> he, the future like, or one of the elders that he consults right um, Paul if people don't know Paul Foot, look up Paul Foot. he's really brilliant and a sweet bloke and I want to do some kind of work with him I don't know like a travel thing but I don't know like just take because he talks a lot of nonsense right it's very brilliant nonsense but like take him to um, historical places around the United States and have him give you the history of America right as done by Paul Foote <laughs> But it, I think I think uh, that's what uh, we've, we're trying to work on that, and and it maybe it'd be a web series type thing. But you know, I saw well, Jay Leno used to come on. People yep. forget that or don't even know that Jay Leno used to go on David's show all the right. time, and that was really where he became. I mean, he'd been. I'd seen him on Evening Improv and all these. I'd seen him on stuff, but he would come on with Letterman, and he would just kill it. He would just come on and have. He'd have these great bits, and he'd have these things that he would do every time, and it, that was huge. Um, Even the stand-up they show
0: of Leno in the Johnny Carson documentary. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Yeah. Like, it's
1: really funny. Absolutely, stand-up. yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, he was one of those guys. I saw him in 1986 in, uh, in a concert in Austin, Texas. And it was two-plus hours, no break, and just h- hilarious, just unbelievable, you know, just just... Just, just, I'm re- really, really edgy and really, yeah. you know, not sweary or anything like that, but really just pushing it, you know. Especially for that time too, which, which people don't think of him that way as much anymore. But you know, I saw Bob Goldthwaite on on Letterman right. and and Jake Johansson, who's a brilliant guy. Jake's been on the podcast. Yeah, Jake is brilliant. Jake is such a good dude and and so brilliant. And but that's the that's the thing. And Bill Hicks. Um, and then I got to sort of like start to work with all these people mm. and hang out with them a little bit. And, you know, because I lived in Dallas, Texas. At so the time. how does that happen? So te- so fast forward through. Got out of go school, to- got yep. out of college, moved up to Dallas, Texas and started going to open mics. I went to my very first. I'd done some some uh, public speaking uh-huh. in college. I was, so what, on, the, I was what, on the speech team and I did humorous After dinner speaking, and I always get marked down because it was too unstructured and too loose and whatever. And basically, it wasn't a speech, it was stand-up. You were doing stand-up? Yeah, and it was great because here I am about (laughs) 17 years old, 18 years old, and I'm traveling around Texas. They like, you know, you'd get a hotel room, a bit of spending money, and then you'd go do your speech. So, it was like being on the road. And was there, like, was it a, a fun time to be a young
0: person? Like, are you going out, because um, you're too young to drink. Yes, so like, yes. But is there mingling? Is it like, is it co-educational? Are you oh, meeting absolutely. girls? At yeah, yeah. The, because I imagine that would be like. Well, it's college, yeah. Right. It's everybody's
1: around, you know. And, I mean, you know, I, I actually, I don't drink. I don't drink now. Yeah. I never did drink. But never did. Um, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that you couldn't have drank, right. I mean, you know, okay. especially, especially at that time. I'm always Although interested though. Maybe not though. so much on, on campus, right. but yeah, anything you're looking for, you can find it if you look hard right. enough. Right, I just wasn't looking for right. it. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's all, everything's out
0: there, isn't right. it? We know that. That's interesting though, because like in this country, because 21 being the drinking age, I right. always do... Right. Because in Australia, you know, kids start to drink around 15 or 16, like sometimes much younger than that. But I'd say if you were going to say what your average time that people start to go to a party and like have have some alcohol, is kind of 15, 16, and people, I think generally, if kids aren't writing themselves off at that age in Australia, think that's probably fine. Like I'm not saying everybody does. But like I'm saying, like if your kid goes to a party and has four beers and he's 15, you just probably go, yeah, it's about time. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's what happens. But it's only a couple of years until it's legal at that point. But if you're 15 in America and you have four beers, like, you're still fucking... That's a lifetime until it's, yeah, it's it's so illegal, yeah. You can do a stretch in prison and, like, (laughs) still
1: not be able to... You could kill someone, go in, get out, and then still not be legal to drink. Well, the the weird thing about this country, and I have mentioned this before, though,
0: is in Australia, the, the, the way they always justified the drinking age at 18 was that's the age you can also go away and die for country. Exactly. So they're like, well, if, you, if we're going to ask you to go away and die for your country, have a fucking beer. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well have two <laughs> yeah. and like, uh, get out there. I mean, know, yeah, the Australians love beer so much that even on the dry bases, you know, when you go to Afghanistan or whatever, they still have beer. They just have that alcohol-free beer. Oh, really? Which is okay. terrible. Like, I mean, alcohol-free beer, that's how much you're determined to yes. represent beer, is that you're <laughs> willing to drink something that tastes fine at the best of times, like, like beer. Like, yeah, beer's yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. drink, but you, you wouldn't just, if beer didn't have any alcohol in it, nobody would just be going, get me a beer. Right,
1: right, right. You they know, would get something else. Compl- right. Yeah, exactly. There exactly. is a reason if that- there's not enough to sell it on its own. Right. Just as, you know what, you know that drink that, yeah, we took yeah. all the shit out of it that makes it really what you like. There so here a, you go.
0: There, a, there is a reason that Coca-Cola doesn't taste like
1: alcohol-free beer. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> if alcohol-free beer was delicious, if beer was good without alcohol right. in it.
1: But imagine what they used to say about Coke when there was Coke in it. Oh, well, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's basically, now we're 100 years away from the, the Coke years of right. Coke. Yeah, there must have been, that must have been... So eventually it's going to be beer with no beer in it. Right. And they'll go, oh, mate, when beer and alcohol in it, oh, shit. That, that must have been the tough years. Yes. That must have been like, if you like, had discovered
0: this product right. that was not only so delicious it was going to become the world's most popular beverage, but two, had cocaine in it. <laughs>
1: It's so, so hard to think good? of now that there was a drink that had cocaine. <laughs> cocaine in it. You could buy a drink. Yeah. The world's...
0: But you know what I mean? Like, that's like saying... Uh, no, it's not like, it's like... I was about to say something that would have been a terrible thing. But it's like finding out that Jesus was a cocaine addict. Yes. And exactly. then becomes the world's most beloved figure. It's a bit like that with cocaine. <laughs> How
1: did a product that once had <laughs> like, cocaine you know, in it... You know about Jesus. You know about the missing years, Right. <laughs> He was One, on a lot of yeah. What he was wandering, wandering in
0: wandering. the desert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wandering my eyes. He's knocking on doors. Hey, you got any, uh, you got any of that <laughs> shit, mate?
0: I love the idea that, you know, you're like, in back in those days, you're like, oh, no, I don't drink. Yeah, I mean, I'm having 25 Cokes a day. I haven't slept <laughs> since Christmas. But, yeah. <laughs> now, sit down. I want to tell you about myself. But those next couple of years after, if you'd like really enjoyed the taste of coca-cola, but then they took out. Like the cocaine, they've got to be the tough adjustment
1: years. Like you know, remember when they coke? Were... Remember when coke became New Coke? Yeah, yeah. And the outcry. Imagine what the outcry was like when they took when cocaine they took us- out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that was nothing in 1986. That was that was just a bit of a boohoo. Back when I'd love to actually research that, that'd be a good movie, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Like the taking the cocaine out of the coke. Right, that period, At that of sort time. of period of time. Like when the, they have to the, find the, out the fight over right. that. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be great. Sort of a yeah.
0: I do wonder about like uh, you know prohibition in in general. I was in um, uh, Denver doing shows over Christmas mm-hmm. New Year, and so I in fact was standing on stage counting down the New Year. Uh, At the exact time that uh, marijuana became legal. Oh, exactly, yeah. In Colorado. And, uh, well, legal for over-18s and... For recreational recreational, selling in the shops and all that stuff, You can literally just go into a shop and you can buy... You have to supply a driver's licence and you approve your age and whatever. Yeah. uh, But you can just buy marijuana legally. Yeah. Like, I wonder if this is going to be one of those periods in time, like whether this will become, you know, the norm and this will become more popular in other places or this will just be like one of those weird times where it won't work because, yeah. you know, there, there is a chance that this won't work. There yeah. is a chance that this will be a terrible idea. They'll repeal idea. it
1: and but, and will they go, oh, Jesus, it's bloody horrible. Will, you
0: know, there'll be a whole bunch of, like, crime or something or people will get in car accidents. I'm not really sure. But there's, there's a whole range of ways it could go really wrong yeah. and it could get repealed. And in the future, there will be a time where people look back and go, you know there was a fucking time when you could go into a <laughs> shop
1: and you could buy weed? Like over the counter. Let me tell you about two thousand and fourteen you man. You didn't have to pretend to have glaucoma. You literally could just buy it Yeah, like... you didn't have to bung on a, a, an affliction. You, you didn't could have just have to, to in. Limp get in. Yeah.
0: Why why do you want this weed? Because
1: weed is awesome. I would like some. <laughs> give me some. I have money. You give me weed. Um the 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 um all the, the footage of people standing outside waiting in line. Although the weed people sometimes are their worst advertisement. Right. Forget it because it was the exact people that you I would agree. think would be out there the, buying but,
0: but it. But also but the exact people who you would never imagine would be up at that time of the morning
1: lining up. I for know, anything. but it was like it was like weed right. Independence Day. You right. know, it was like it was like they were they the it had happened, and I don't know. No, I agree. They could, they could have sent around an email going, guys. Yeah. There's gotta be photos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I they were just let's let's not ruin it for weed. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. You know come on, let's you know, let's put on a good face. Just for grab just... your
0: suit that you used to have to wear to court. <laughs> you won't have to anymore, because this is legal now. Yeah, So yeah. you're you you, gonna wear it one last time. You have to time. wear your court suit one last time and you have to wear it to get your weed on the first day for the photos.
1: It's funny to me because the laws in um in Washington State, it's also yes, it's also I don't know, if but they, they have sell it. I don't know if that's come to that point yet. So I believe, from what I know, that
0: Corala- co- they both made it legal, but Colorado is the only one who's enacted it now into a way that you can actually do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like um, you can, I think
0: there's like you know in uh, Washington State, and again, and uh, federally it's still illegal. So there's yeah. even debate about whether feds the could any still of it's, shut
1: it down. But so I, you certainly can't do it outside. They, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, like transporting in the airport and everything like that. But I made the joke because I, I, I like to, I like to, you know, that that that, that the way the juxtaposition of stuff. Because in in Seattle and Washington State, they've basically banned plastic bags. Yep. So I said to them up there, like, you can buy weed, but you better be careful what you put it in. Right. 'Cause if you put it in a plastic, plastic bag, bag, you might run afoul of the laws. Of exactly. Get arrested for the plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the part no. that's like not allowed. A man anymore. was
0: arrested with a plastic bag
1: full of, drugs. <laughs> 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 full of drugs. We were fine with the full of drugs. To be honest, it couldn't be full of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the fact that he had it in a bag. You know, oh, basically. and
0: I'm sure it's one of those places where you get in trouble, as you should, if you don't curb your dog. Like if you don't pick up your dog exactly, shit. Exactly. So you're probably yeah. gonna get arrested for like You know, and he had a bag of dog shit in his other pocket.
1: (laughs) That's two strikes. (laughs) Yeah, you're going down, mate.
0: (laughs) So you start doing comedy and who are you working with at this point? Who's coming through the club? Like, what are you doing at the time? Is there a home club or is it like a scene? Yeah,
1: I started, um, well, I started doing open mics in Dallas. My very first gig was at the Holiday Inn. By the D- Dallas Fort Worth airport. Okay. Because you know, nice. you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, right. You know, it's auspicious. And it close, close to the airport, too. Yeah, close to the airport. I in mean, case if, I get a gig yeah. during my first open mic, I can, I can right. fly out. Or in case anyone wanted to fly in to see it. Yeah,
0: exactly. You yeah, yeah. There was a bit it's, of it's heat.
1: It's easy. It's easy. Just jump, jump off the terminal and, you know, ride across the street. I mean, you know
0: what? You could actually open probably uh, at the. it's <laughs> a terrible idea. Uh, at a
1: busy airport, like an LAX about, I or think whatever. I know what you're going to say. You could open a comedy club because there's always somebody, people hanging around, some comic stranded. If you look on Facebook, oh, delayed seven hours. Right. Hey, we've got a gig for you. You know that you could. I think you could honestly do that.
0: Right, but also imagine the work you could
1: just like. I mean, imagine you had a club there. Yeah, like you know. You could get a
0: people coming in and out, because like, yeah. you know, in America in particular, people. If it was in LA and New York in particular, you're going to get good people dropping in. Right. You know. <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: like- <laughs>
0: oh, look! Who, look who's just happened to be delayed right, right now. Yeah, Dave Chappelle's got a yeah, yeah. two and a half hour delay, <laughs> so he can do the first quarter of right, his act. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, but also, like, you've got a captive audience. What well, I mean a captive audience, but I've often thought that, like, you know, at the international airports or whatever, if you go somewhere and watch a movie, like, you know, when you have to check in three hours before, yeah. if you could go in, check in, and then you could go in and, like, watch a movie or whatever. But it's probably, movies are probably too long to, to make that idea work. Yeah. But stand-up. You could run crowds in and out of a stand-up a room. T-
1: like Vegas, time right. show, 12, 12 and 20, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you or can't just, go over. Or just turning them around, you know, doing 45-minute like shows, like who, how many people you have on every hour. Yeah. So you've got a bit of turnover time, in and out, people if they want to pop in and
1: see a show. Yeah. Right. I've but, always thought that that, that, that is, is a possibility. I'm sure somebody... Somebody will do that, at some, right. point. At some Well, uh, <laughs> we should s- pitch this.
0: There'll be some young comedian. Oh, that's you know what it is. It could be a show, like live from LAX, yeah. live at yeah, LAX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, That will be. The, we should, yeah, we should pitch and that it's as kind a of show. Like, to, um, it's like a reality show around, like you know, running. Yeah, a comedy remember the, club airport? At the airport, the airport
1: ones, right? But, you know, it's the comics at the airport,
0: right? It's <laughs> comics at the airport. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so it's kind of around their life and the life at the airport, yeah. but
0: also special appearances by Louis CK if his plane's delayed. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it would be. I think it would work. <laughs> <I think. laughs> right. There's worse. There's much worse places to do comedy. Oh, I know. I think we've done them. Yeah, but right, right. Um, So you
0: started the holiday in what's that? It's a new comics. Kind yeah, of it was thing. just. It was just a mic? just a
1: little open mic yeah. room. You know, it's like when I moved up to Dallas, I went through the paper and saw where these open mics were and called people up. And like I said, I'd done speech before uh-huh. and a- acting in in college and whatever, but. You know, the first time... My first open mic went great. It was fine. And, you know, you look back at it now, and it was probably horrible. But, right. I mean, the the response was good enough that you go, all right, I'll come back and, and do this again. I yep. would like to think that I'm... I'm, I'm aware enough to go. If it was horrible, I'd go, well, all right, I, I got that out of my system and I'll, you know, piss off and never do it again. Right. Well, but, we, which uh, most people don't have either because there are right. people who keep going and going and going, but it was fine. I think that's the thing you think about comedy is firstly,
0: uh, well, uh, and we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but firstly, I think there is something in you that uh, if you realized how terrible you were when you first started, you would never keep going. No. So that's the first thing. You don't know how terrible you are at the start. Later on, you learn how terrible you were. Mm. But at that point, like, you can, go, like, for where you were and how it felt and what your expectations were, the shows went great. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, they went great enough that you wanted to do it again. And you think you're sensible enough to know that. But then you, like, you know, look around on the scene and there's people who've been doing it for 15 years and you're like, I'm
1: not sure like what brings you back did you ever did you have that when like when I started, it was that kind of thing where there were people who'd been around at least three, four, five, eight years before me who never did you know you start seeing them over and over, you go, well, first off, there's never a change in the act in the set. Never a change well, that's... Of, of anything. And they're bloody horrible every time. Right. And look, honestly. It's like they've... there are some people, let's be honest, there are some people who are bloody horrible and they're never going to get any better. And I go, I don't have the delusion of that to fucking keep going. Right. But then I wonder, do I? Maybe that's well, why I have I'd a like. different delusion to keep going. <laughs> maybe, maybe everyone's staring at me. The delusion that I'm good and it'll, right. you know. But at the same time, you know, people post all the time on on Facebook and this and that. I've got another standing ovation. My twelfth standing ovation this week. I go, what the fuck are you doing to get standing ovations? You know, like uh, I've never had one. I've never. Maybe I'm. <laughs> They don't deserve, right? One. No, I, you know I, what I mean, I'd rather. I think they just. Rather... To, I think they're just talking about the fact that they went over their time and people left <laughs> in, in mass. <laughs> right, everybody went out. Oh, that looked like right. a standing ovation. At
0: the end of my rape material, I had a standing <laughs> ovation
1: of all the women in the audience. <laughs> It is. It is that thing though. Where I would rather go on and post about how badly I did one night. Right. I mean, because I think there is an honesty about like that was horrible. That was really bad. Well, I- and I, I'll, I'll, I'm, you know, to me, it's like I got to let it. I got to, even though nobody cares anymore. I got to let people know like I did shitty tonight. Right. There's part of me... Oh, no, no. I'm not the same, like, you know, killed it tonight. I mean, and if if I do well and I do post anything about it, I'll post, like, brilliant crowd tonight. I had a great right. time with it. I agree. You know, but not like, oh, I murdered them and they stood up because I was so bloody good. But, right. you know... Well, I mean, that's a, it's funny because I, I'm exactly like you and it's very hard as an
0: Australian and it's something that I've taught myself to do a little bit more, which is to... Uh, be proud of the things that I do and try to tell people about them. But then you yeah. have to uh, temper that with not wanting to be that person. You exactly, know? exactly, and a, yeah, a little bit of that person. Right. But you not want because you need a little bit of that person because yeah. you're not going to go anywhere if you don't have a little bit of that person. Yeah. Plus, if you're like you know, for example, I have like I have no problem with like you know promoting my shows, for example, on Twitter mm-hmm. because what I'm trying to do at those shows is do something that is worth seeing. Yeah. And if I don't believe that the thing that I'm going to be doing that night is, is worth. worth seeing, then I shouldn't be fucking going to do that thing on that no, night. No, no. So I don't have any problem with that. And in the same way as like when this podcast goes up, I'll tweet about it and stuff because if I didn't think this was worth people hearing and knowing about exactly. it, then I wouldn't fucking record it. It's well, not, that's, not worth but doing. That
1: is, that's, I think that's the brilliance of it. You can be proud about the stuff that you're proud about. But these people that get on and they're always crowing about how brilliantly they did here and there. And you go, you fucking can't be doing that good. Or you're doing something so horrible. So pandery, <laughs> it's like, it's it's awful. But right. you can but the others, there are some people that just do destroy every night. Right, but those people and don't I, normally know, I Those people myself, don't but, normally
0: have to go online and tell everybody. About I know, right? I know. Right, that's yeah, the. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But the, you know, but the, what it is? Sometimes you do a gig and it was so fun that you got to go. I fucking had a great time right. tonight, and I just want everyone to know because the rest of the time I'm a miserable asshole I and mean, it was just horrible. And I'll tell you that as well. But you know, you got to temper it once in a while. But I I, I, you, I must admit that. The it, just on the standing ovation thing, and because I have
0: been, uh, I always love on this podcast when it gets on a to topics like this because it also calls me on the fact that I'm sure that at some stage over the last year, like, I've had some discussion where I've been guilty of all the things that I berate other people. Uh, yeah, right. But that's right, what right, being right. a human is, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. and but, A contradictory bag of, right. you know, mystery and But riddle. I'll give you a, a
0: complete example of, of what I think sums up everything that we're talking about. In a, a, this is an example where in this, like, story, I am the person you hate, I am you, <laughs> and it sums up me, like all in one story. Uh, at Just for Laughs this year in Montreal, mm-hmm. my gala set went uh, pretty well. Like I'd really primed myself towards it. Yeah. I'd done a lot of work to get there.
1: I think and I saw you working on it and it was yeah. a good
0: set, Yeah. And at the end of it, I felt like it had – like as I went into that last bit, because particularly in Montreal, they are a bit famous for if it goes really well, people will stand, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I hit that last thing and – just on the right-hand side of my vision, like about, I'm going to say 40 or 60 people, like stood. That's good. And I'm like, there's about three and a half thousand people in the room, right, so for the people at home. About 40 or 60, but I happen to be looking exactly at these people as it happens. You know, I finish my last joke, my eye goes there. They literally stand up, like, and I, like, my head turns slowly and all I'm expecting to see is, like, a, well, not expecting, but all I'm just in this one brief moment as I've done this last joke, they've stood up, there's part of me that when my head, like one of those circus clowns, turns slowly around, I'm just going to see a crowd Mexican wave-like coming to their feet. And all (laughs) I saw was no one else get involved. (laughs) All I saw was 3,450 people yeah, right. make a different decision.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, that's it. the gala. Well, sometimes the galas are really persnickety too. Like I've heard people go, "Oh, the fucking galas this year. they were rough, they were hard, The crowds didn't give up shit. So the fact that you had a great set and you had anybody get up.
0: Oh no! No, it's I agree. Brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. just—it was it's literally brilliant. one of those. But you do like... have that,
1: but there are those. Look, right. if we didn't have a bit of ego, we wouldn't do any of this shit anyway. There are nights when I finish and I think, "Oh fucking hell, this is everybody's right. going to be mobbing me tonight." When I'm outside and every nobody, nobody, because I think in some ways stand up is so like pegged down a bit that, that if you're not a famous person, it sort of doesn't count anymore. Interesting. So, I, it, what, I mean, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, it's it's a bit disposable. Like, there's stand-up everywhere In pe- in people's minds now, stand-up is everywhere Even uh-huh. if it's not It's kind of like And it's almost as though It's such a fame-driven thing now It's right. been made that way uh-huh. through some of the clubs The big chains And, and television And they have always been famous people doing it But now it's like If you're not a, a, a name, a marquee name It's like, okay, you did really great But I fucking still don't know who you are Right so I'm not that invested in shaking your hand. You know, you know those nights where he goes, "God damn, that was really brilliant." That was, I mean, ev- they laughed everything, and then not a person speaks to you. Right. And I mean, there is that thing like I don't need people to come up and give me the affirmation, but one person looking me in the eye would be nice. But it, but, but what- I think I think it really is set to that point though, where it's like nobody's impressed by it because everyone's a stand-up now. So it's like, oh, you're just another fucking bloke that does this. Right. That's interesting. That's in the States. I don't know about, I don't know about everywhere else. I don't think it is. Maybe it's just me. It could just, you know, this is just me. No, no, no. I think that, I mean, obviously
0: here, it's a lot more star-driven, like the whole system. But it's
1: it's only become that way in the last few years where it really has, it's been that conscious thing now of, You've got to be a name, name to go, but, you know, and that's the other thing too. I mean, well, I, 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 I certainly know that because like most
0: of the good you know, gigs I get on the road, like most of the times that I go to a great club yeah. and do like a big, you know, full week at a great club, the only reason that I am there is someone famous had something better to do
1: yeah right like right, at right, right. the last moment <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like yeah.
0: i have done so many of those gigs where like you know like two weeks out i don't have like a week and then you you know off doing a week and it's and like my, my first thing is always when i get i was like who pulled out and you know and they'll often be really who cancelled yeah, i'll, I'll who say canceled. that sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> why am i here when, but when in those weeks it's kind of like if you can do a good job
1: yeah like i i find that because not these people aren't always great like oh no! Just because they've got the name doesn't right. mean they're well. That, that's I mean that's the thing that's going on too now is is people who used to do movies or TV or who are on a thing go. I can go right play to a the club clubs. this weekend and make yep. x amount of thousands of dollars. Yep. Oh, no, let's do that. And it and you know unfortunately it, it feeds itself because there are people who come see that person and not and not necessarily know whether it's they don't know stand up they just right. know that person. Yep. so then they're, they're not disappointed that they don't have a great show. They're not judging they're just, it by the fact that yeah. um, they're like, oh, that dude from that game show
0: was actually, it's funny when he swears in real life. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. They're just happy to be in the right. room with that They're not person. saying it's worse than a stand-up show, they're saying it's better than the game show. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's better than watching it at home in my chair. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. But... They're also – they're never going to come back and see a stand-up yeah, show. sure. They're not building an audience. And that, stand-up used to be that. Clubs would be – it's a different model now. People would, would come every week because they knew that the show would be good no matter what. And every now and then there'd be a, a big, big name. And now it's just all big names – and people come in. But I don't know that they build a crowd that comes back every week. Right. There are some. There are stand-up Of fans, course. But if a stand-up fan really who loves stand-up and is savvy about it comes and see a show that's just kind of bullshit because the person could sell a few tickets, then they decide to not come back because they're like, well, you know, I, I want to see a good show. That's why I think it's driven it a bit underground, why people are doing more of their own shows or going to towns and doing clubs or you know alternative clubs rock clubs uh and that's why i think podcasts are a lot bigger because you know this kind of conversation people really enjoy it they enjoy some element of this and it's more real and honest than what you're getting in some of the clubs but it's i i, I mean maybe it's me just justifying you know my sort of where my career is right. after 25 <laughs> years of being in a bit of a flux well no i get why right i now, get why but, they
0: particularly podcasts
1: appeal to people because like, oh yeah You know, there's
0: no two-drink minimum. Like, I mean, normally when I'm recording the podcast, there's a two-drink minimum.
1: Yeah, exactly. But but this
0: is daytime. Uh,
1: um, Actually, can I settle up my bill? Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, three-quarters of the way through the podcast, (laughs) you have to settle up your bill really, really noisily. People have heard me go on about this all the fucking time because it blows my mind. But the idea, like, because you've grown up with this and you understand what it's like, but the idea in these clubs here that... Like just before the
1: end of the headlining set, yes, everyone suddenly has to pay their fucking check yes, at their and table and not pay attention. Um, it's it's a well, you know, there are some clubs who sort of know how to do it, right? And, and oh no, definitely some great clubs, mate. There are clubs that are. Here is the difference, <laughs> and this is what gets me about comedy. I I, I I wanted to do a show like one of those Gordon Ramsay where they come in and um, fix up your shitty restaurant.
0: Oh, like a health Come in, Pitcher, in and fix up like your a, shitty
1: comedy club and oh tell you how God. to do it. Yes, I thought that would be a good show. Jim Short's know? comedy nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I have them every night. <laughs> but you know what I mean. When I started, and look, I didn't even start in the heyday of comedy. You know, yeah. that was years before me. I started in 1988 doing doing open mics, and then started working clubs the next year. Um, but back then, you know, the host they, they they there was somebody who ran the show. Right now, it's like they run a restaurant that mm. happens to have a sideline of a show in there yeah. and these blokes sort of know how to run a restaurant but they don't know how to run a show and when i was started out when you were the host and you were the mc somebody would go okay here's what you do and you say this and you whatever and right and there was a sort of a structure and an order and and the the wait staff who are an integral part of the night they would be massive you know, part they would be schooled to like be very stealth. Nobody knows you are there. Quiet. You know. Now I'm on stage sometimes, and like you say, you know, some of these clubs, it, it they're they're eating food all the way through, which is sort of a distraction anyway. And then oh yeah, because that's the first thing. Yeah, like the first thing is you can't fucking come out and
0: listen to someone tell jokes for two hours without having fucking eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and I'm not sure that, by the way, is the audience's fault. I'm not sure which came first. Like, you know, in that mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe people eat because there's food there. It's yes. a place where they, you, well, you be, eat.
1: Because that's the thing. It's been sold now as a restaurant. Right. And there's this uh, – that's what gets me, and maybe it's why I don't work that much anymore. I'm fucked off that that, that these clubs have become a restaurant. Right. And the, the comedy's like second – it's second um, fiddle to, to, the, to the dinner. Right and fuck me, this should be more important because nobody's coming here for your shitty food. Right now they'll yeah, buy some it, because right. they're here, and it's human nature to go shit. I'm hungry, whatever, or it's a dinner show or whatever. Yeah. But you know the one. But it's like, now, but it's like it's a weird industry where, like you know, say
0: you know, say you were employing some other professional, you wouldn't like get them in. It's like you wouldn't get a plumber in, for example. Like the idea. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I went to shit straight away. Yeah. But, um you get a comedian in. Then you're serving people, like, uh, food during it. So, like, because one thing a comedian doesn't want is someone with their mouth full. No. Or somebody who's, like, eating things or talking or or distracting or clinking, whatever. Secondly, they've got to order the food. They've got to get the food. It's got to be delivered. You know, all someone has to do is be... Then they've got to pay for the food at the end of the day. Like, that is like getting a plumber around to fix your toilet and then just sitting on the toilet shitting at the same time.
1: Like, let him do his job. You know what I mean? Like. You are right, mate? Yeah. Mind your way? All right. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm just going to be here.
0: I'm I'm here, (laughs) like, eating a curry. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, we bought the curry last night. I've left it out on the bench overnight. I didn't even put it in the fridge. I'm just going to sit on the toilet and I'm going <laughs> to scoop this curry into me and it's going to go straight through me and I'm going to continue to shit. But good luck with you, Dad. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. We're paying you quite a lot of money to be here, so I'm just going to get my full value. Oh, that's yeah, that's it. That's it. It's a, dis- it's a
1: distraction.
0: And- they, firstly, so they need to employ ninjas. <laughs> that's, Basically. Okay, yeah, no, so yeah, here's what you do. So... Oh my god! This is the problem, because I, I, firstly, I love your show already. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Jim Short's comedy nightmares, comedy venue nightmares, comedy club nightmares, comedy was, club he's nightmares. his, nightmares kitchen, might be good he's there, his yeah. kitchen nightmares, uh, Ramsey? But how about this? How about maybe it's 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 a twist, and this is how you sell it: is you get Ramsey involved. So it's you and Gordon Ramsay (laughs) travelling to (laughs) comedy clubs that has restaurants. Yeah, exactly. And he takes the kitchen and shows them how they can make, you know, affordable and delicious. uh, Like, for example, he can make silenter foods, like foods that don't make as much, you know what I mean? Like he can come up with a (laughs) range of, like, softer-sounding foods, things that won't clink as much. He redesigns the kitchen and you redesign the club. Yeah, And you do it together. That would be a good series. Let me see if I can get him on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pitch it to his
1: people. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so weird, though, because you do feel like, um, you know, you ever been on stage and then somebody, like a wait person will walk right, basically sort of right in front of you to the front tables and go, yep. last call, everyone. Yeah. You know whatever, what do you need? And it, and every the att- I mean the attention spans now aren't what they used to right. be anyway. So any minor distraction is you know, but this stuff used to sort of happen where you had no idea of it. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm probably just an old man now that remembers better days when things were run. But you know, when you go to a club that's run really well, you don't even notice it because no. you go, "Holy shit, they know what they're doing here." And and th- there are a few of those clubs out there where there's somebody who's in charge and they run the, they run it like a show But they also know that they've they've got if they've got good food Then they can also make that but when you are concentrating on pushing the food over the show right but to me It's just it's just that the business is sort of has lost its way, right. but you know fuck. What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I know, you know. I agree with I mean, that. I mean, my whole thing is, like, I've spent my entire day waiting for this moment to get on stage. Well, and if I go up there and it's fucked up, not because of my fault, right. but because of some, some other, you know, the distraction in the room or whatever. I mean, like,
0: I get that people eat at the movies, but the movies can't hear you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you don't have exactly. to – but they even at the movies, they don't make you order the food in the movie. No. Like, you know, a sign comes up at the start and says – Please be quiet. Now, some people ignore that sign. But but at least least that is kind of the idea of it. Whereas at a comedy club, people are are allowed, like there is a a thing happening that means that they have to talk.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because they're going to talk about aspects of the food and and the ordering and whatever. It's just just distraction. And usually, well, that's the other thing. People show up five minutes before the show starts and then they order dinner. So about... (laughs) sort of midway through the middle act they start to get their dinner you know and it's like well this should really happen the the hour before but you know know, i mean i don't know (laughs) it's it's just a weird thing that's happening in 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 some comedy clubs and it's it's hard to sort of work around and if you if you sort of talk about it then you're 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 oh look look at him he expects people to listen to him who does he (laughs) think he is (laughs) I'm just saying that there's there's, there's that lost part of the show. It's the show. It's
0: the show. That's And people are coming out for the show. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day is the show. No, I I absolutely agree with you. And, I, I mean, I think that the idea that you are just the person... In the court, like I mean, fuck. If, if I'm going to do restaurant gigs, I'd rather do a restaurant, right? I'd rather go and pay, like you know, fuck like a high end restaurant can hire me, and I'll go table to table, yeah, right. <laughs> like a you know, like a
1: violinist. It's going to be like that, eventually, right. isn't it? You'll have you'll have a bucket of roses, right? And yeah, <laughs> I'll just come over with my roses, and an accordion, and my violin, and you'll just sort of entertain people and right. take pictures, take their photo. Well, I can just do that in between meals. At least I get a decent meal,
0: yeah, like you know. Well, that's got to be my show. That's 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 it. All right. So you start doing uh, comedy um, at, at the comedy club
1: um, in uh, Dallas. Yeah. The, we had two improvs in town, which was unbelievable. So I got to work a lot. So it was, what, it was like like an uptown downtown. or was like yeah. One it was of one in, in the central the part of town, and there was one up in North Dallas in uh-huh. Addison, and that one's actually still there. And it was great because I worked with so many people. So and you know I think the thing that maybe doesn't happen as much now is if you go. Watch comedy And watch it every week And Uh, watch somebody Really great I don't think people Watch as much anymore Because maybe Because it's It's online And it's here and there But as a young comic I went in and watched somebody, oh, fuck, this guy's hilarious, this right. guy's brilliant. And the next week, you see somebody doing sort of the same joke, and you go, oh, these blokes have the same shit. And you work, you know, a month later, oh, that's the same. So you you sort of get that discerning taste. Uh-huh. And I love the people who were really brilliant and smart and creative and diff- and unique and funny. Because you go, any you know, look, there are some people who are funny, right. really hilariously funny, but you start to dissect it and you go, oh, this is the same, it's the same act, right. you know, or the same jokes or whatever. And I don't know, but I... That's I, fine, but... And I am
0: fine, like, uh, I, this is something that I talked about a bit, which is that idea of you can be rewriting the same show with different names. Yeah. Like, you know, you can just go, well, this routine is essentially that other routine, but I'm just like, I'm Mm -hmm. talking about different things. And I think that as
1: a comedian of of any, of your own 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 stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, these people, I mean, some people just like, there's this big well of comedy and some some people are taken from the same well. But when you see somebody who's self-sufficient and has their own, he's got his own well. That's when it stands out. He's got his own right. water. It's bottled right. water. This is really yeah. good shit. Although sometimes
0: it's filled with custard and sometimes there's a drought. But it's the nature of that sort of performer. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> and then you find out the bottles are just really bad for you. Anyway. Right.
0: Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, Oh um, The bottles will give you cancer, yeah. but the water is delicious. <laughs> They've flown it here from Fiji. It tastes better than normal water, but it has destroyed the entire planet. So
1: in the future, we'll look back on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There are, there are just people who, you know, I, I think it's some of the people who just blew me away. I saw this guy um, um, early on, Tom Kenny uh-huh. from San Francisco. Yep. San Francisco. And then I moved there after Dallas. I noticed that all the great, really brilliant people, really different, creative, unique people were coming out of San Francisco. I saw this guy, Tom Kenny. And it was just like so fucking funny, so right. brilliant. And he doesn't really do stand-up anymore. And people will know Tom Kenny because he is SpongeBob. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, he's the voice of SpongeBob. Right, wow. And holy shit. This guy, he came on stage and it was just, you know, it was unique. It was different. It was, and I went, that's that's what I like. I like these blokes. Uh-huh. I always like the smart. And just not blokes, I like the women too, you know, the, I say blokes because it's easy to just, you know. But these, these so many brilliant, I just loved brilliant people. And, you know, I can appreciate somebody who's funny, who's got a bit of a run-of-the-mill kind of an act. But, um, you know, for me, and that's what I would find. I would go in every week and sit in the back and I'd watch these comics. And, and I think that's where, you know, you sort of, be, you learn, like, what's good and what's bad. And what, you know, what do I want to do? You know, I want to aspire to be that guy now. I mean not literally but I mean that's where I want to be thought of the same way not just funny for the fucking sake of being funny but i'd like to be original and unique and clever and that that's what I, my goal is okay so Which actually gets you to this point 25 years later right, where, yeah. you know <laughs> hello yeah um uh, can i send in my avails hello uh, right. Get, get, right yeah what well, yeah work. well yeah one day 25 years from that decision you'll get to do a free podcast in yeah, the middle I know. of the day <laughs> I think I integrated my way out of the business a few years ago, but uh, uh, well, but I just loved the really creative people. Right. So that's what had a mark on me. What takes? You, how long you been? In, had you been
0: doing stand up when you moved to San Fran? Then seven, seven, eight years. And who's on the like? Who's on the scene in San Fran at the time?
1: Well, at that time, um, Arj Barker was still about. Arj, Arj yes. was. Uh, he was. Was just. I remember seeing. There was um, a club called Cobbs, which Cobbs is still around, but it's in a different location now. And it it, it had an original location, then a middle location, and it's in its big location now. But it was in a smaller club in the cannery, which is down sort of by Fisherman's Wharf. And it was one of those rooms that – you know those rooms that there's magic about it? Uh You don't know what it is. I don't know. But it is just – you can't figure out why, but it's just the greatest – room ever and you get up and it was very and and honestly when i moved there um it was one of those times in san francisco where a bunch of people just got ready to move to la uh-huh. blaine and patton moved to la yep. barren was there but he was sort of on his way out yep and um and Arj was sort of in and out. Arj was around but you know, a bunch of people were moving.
0: Arj was like, I've heard there's a country on the other side of the yeah, world yeah, yeah. Arge... where I could have sex with half of the women. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't be here for I won't be here for much longer. <laughs> I have to go down
1: because I've, he I've made like a list. An explorer, <laughs> right. he really is an explorer. He had a map out and right. like a a sextant and a, you know the compass, and he's like good charting, charting like well, you know what. Just, I, Every I day just you'd brilliant. see him backstage at gigs with giant scrolls, yeah, maps, like <laughs> diagrams. He'd lay them out on the table. I'm gonna go here, and then I'm gonna do this. Well, there were scraps of paper, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he used them for, but. Um, but yeah, but Ajax was, was that great guy that that was just brilliant. Just br- I mean you know you watched him the first time. I, the yeah. first time I saw him was 95 and I went holy shit this kid is amazing. Because yeah. he was a kid. He's still a kid I think, but you know he was a kid when I saw him.
0: It's one of those uh, things that I've always felt quite proud of Australia in the way that that they Sometimes with a band or whatever, you know, you'll hear that, you know, this band got big here first. Or yeah. Yeah, they broke out here here before they – and Australia was like that with Arj Barker. Yeah. Like, Arj was a bigger star in Australia. Like, he's become like, you know, now with Fly the Concords and doing a few more right. things here. Yeah. Like, you know, people are much more aware of Arj here now. But – he was, you know, Australians, you know, and rightly so, right. were some of the first audiences
1: to go, no, no, this guy's like Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's I I don't know how you even do it, but I just know that he really concentrated on going to Australia. And the great thing about Arge is he's really prolific. Yep. He's always working on something. He's always got, even if it's sort of in the middle of being ready, mm. you just look at it and you go, holy shit, the creativity in this bloke right. is unbelievable, you know, but... Uh, that, but that's San Francisco. San Francisco is... It was supportive of that sort of so thing. So supportive. Mean, and and I'm
0: probably, if you were somebody trying to do something that's a little bit more middle of the road, mm-hmm. then you probably, you know, weren't seen as cool Well, there was plenty scene, of that. Like, there was know.
1: plenty of that. Oh, there was, was there? Uh, well, th- I mean, there's plenty of that everywhere. That so they don't need it, right. you know. That's the thing. Yes. They don't need it. I, mean, I know that's what you... Yeah. Maybe okay, it's yeah. sort of changed... Cause now you've got to sell tickets, but uh, yeah, you know.
0: But it, it, it. I don't know. I'm, I'm going. I'm uh, going to San Francisco Sketch get Sketchfest to do yeah, shows this year. The, that's like yeah. Uh, from the seventh to the ninth, I might as well just mention that uh, Dave Hill and I are doing a double bill. One night I'm doing Kurt Braunohler's show. I'm doing a set list and prompter. Uh, um, you can check the dates on the uh, Sketchfest website. But t- people tell me that feels old school. Like everyone says to me, that's a fun. Like, not old school, but like, you know, the spirit of. You well, know. it's
1: it's about, I mean, like I said, when I moved there at Cobb's, there would be a Monday night showcase and a Sunday night showcase at the Punchline. Uh-huh. And then around about 96 or 7, they decided to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday showcase at Cobb's. Uh-huh. So, mate, this is prime um, stage time at a brilliant club yep. that has a brilliant comics working there all the time and i just happened to be there at the right moment when yep. there was a bit of a gap and people had moved away and so there was so much stage time available and that's when i think i learned how to headline because i started to do sets monday okay come monday tuesday how about monday tuesday you know all three nights if i was in town i, I had a guaranteed spot yep. and then i started closing one or two or sometimes three nights a week And, man, you learn how to be on stage. And these are – you know, it's 180 people or something like that in the room, 195 maybe, when it's packed. So it's really intimate and you learn to just talk to people. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, I'm a small room bloke, you know. I mean, some people now, they fill aeroplane hangers and thousands of people, and that's not comedy to me. That's just, no. that's, you know. that's it's broadcasting. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, you know, um, Hitler at Nuremberg. Right. You know? <laughs> it's just people <laughs> chanting because they've been, you know, led to believe that this is what they've got to go do. Right. I really like a small room of people and just, you know. That's oh, no, no, I agree with you. I won't mention the the comedian because this was a, a
0: like a, you know, a bitchy-ish uh, conversation. I was having off air, but uh, there was a particular um, UK comedian who's like part of... I don't know if you know, in the UK at the moment, there's a big comedy boom and people are playing, you know, off the panel shows, off TV, people Mm -hmm. are becoming big stars and, you know, playing stadiums. Like, as... uh, Like, I always think you can find a nice... You can find like and then you tour with Margaret, so you'd know this is to be true. Yeah. Sometimes you can find a nice theatre, you know, maybe it's like a thousand fifteen hundred that still feels like an intimate comedy club. Yeah, exactly. but it's a
1: theatre because it's it's a theatre feeling. It's designed for that.
0: But like once you get over like, you know, a couple of thousand, in almost any room, you're not giving some of those people a great experience. Once you've got a
1: video screen. Right it's sort of that's not what comedy is meant to be it's just well you're just yelling at people yelling over them you're not connecting to. but also
0: how do you yeah connecting and like the the best comedy is that moment where there's connection and that said I saw Billy Connolly when I was 17 in a room that had three. it was a theatre but in a room a 3,000 seater and we were right up the back when I was 17 and I couldn't have felt like he I felt like he was talking straight to me so I think if you're that's
1: the uh, but that well that's the power of the person right that's the power of the person isn't it and uh, you know but just because Connolly can play 3000 doesn't mean that everybody should Everybody play 3, should,
0: exactly. But that's. You know, look, but also, so what I was uh, just going to say, like that intimate experience is th- there was a comedian who was uh, doing a trial show, like a trial show, trying new material oh, at the Hammersmith Apollo. Right. Just because he's so famous that he can sell that many tickets to, like, yeah, you know, a trial yeah, show. Yeah. But I was like, I. You're not doing comedy a favor because these are people who, like, would ordinarily, if they want to see you try something, could go try it in the rooms, mm-hmm. try it on the scene. Yeah. But also, that's when, how you learn to talk to people and write good jokes is in a small room. Yeah. Like, because otherwise, you're just writing yeah, yeah. stadium jokes. And stadium jokes aren't. Good jokes. No. Like, there's a reason that Chris Rock, when he goes in and tries the immaterial, reads it off a piece of paper in a tiny comedy club, or Seinfeld goes to a tiny comedy club, or Louis goes to a tiny – you know, because that's
1: where you need to work on these things, and that's when you have those genuine connections with people. But that's what we've lost. We've lost that small mentality of, like, it's okay to go into a little room and talk to people. Right. Now it has to be, fucking, look at this massive, sellout, gigantic – but that doesn't make it good. Right. It doesn't make it good just because you you sold out a big thing like that. It doesn't. Sometimes,
0: sometimes, to be honest, it makes it worse because there's a certain amount of people when you're selling that many tickets who are tourists, right? Like, well, that's, well, that's what that's what I like, mean. Like you know, before. they're not yeah. there for you to be able to. They're the ones who start going. Well, I went to your concert and you did this, and you're like. That's what I've always been doing.
1: Yeah, 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 don't, yeah.
0: Don't blame me because I finally got on your radar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but people like, want to control I it. appreciate you've come along, but this is what I've been doing forever. Yeah.
1: Well, th- th- but that's that's what happens too when you get gigantic. Right. Is sometimes people feel you know ownership of of somebody as well like well you don't do what you like but you know that's the thing as an artist you do all kinds of shit you know you talk you whatever but these people want one thing or and and once you're in a giant situation like that you really are there is there's no connection right there's no and to me that's what it's all about that's what to me, the biggest thing about stand-up is, is connecting. Well, Even if it's connecting in that weird way where they're like, oh, I don't fucking know right, if I like this No, 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 I get it's it. It's still a connection, yeah. you know. It's Like having that... a genuine experience. Yeah.
0: No, so I didn't get to do it this year. Um, uh, but in previous years have done, well, the, the year before last, I did nine weeks at the Sydney Comedy Store. And i just do four shows. Yeah. So it's like an hour show, like 70 minutes. I'm doing four shows a week maybe five, but like, you know, most weeks four or five, having a couple of nights off. And I said to someone afterwards that if I knew that I could, like, because it was full every night, I get to go and do the show, then I get to go home. So if I could do that for the rest of my life at that size, it never would need to get bigger than that. The Sydney Comedy Store is like, I guess, two eighties, 300. Yeah. And that size. It's a big room. You always have a great night. Yeah. Like, I never have a bad show there. It's such a fan. If it's full, it rocks doesn't matter what night of the week it is. Yeah. It's that right size of room. And if you told me that I could go home and like, you know, 42 weeks a year, like, you know, th- there'd be a room full of people down there. That I'd be like, I'd be, oh, okay, I'm done. Yeah. I'll well, uh, that's what you I'll sort, sort of got I'm it. not going on the yeah. road anymore. <laughs>
1: But it's nice that you get to go play. You play a nice theatre. And right. that's the thing. I went on tour with Margaret Cho in, in, in Australia. She brought me down there. Yes, She did Melbourne, the festival. and as, so she, you were, didn't, she, I did, she didn't need an opener because it was an hour yeah. show. It was it Hamer Hall? Were you at Hamer Hall at the Art Centre? Is that where the show in was? In Melbourne? In Melbourne. It was, oh, bloody, I, I can't even remember what it was called. Do you was remember it, where it was? Yeah, it was right across the street from the, the, the town hall. Oh, it was directly across the street. Yeah, right across the street. It was one of those ones where you go, I didn't even know it was a theatre And you sort of walk. I I wish I could tell you what it was. But if people really care, they could look it up. They could get on their device (laughs) and they could find out. I can't do everything for you. No, I wish I I could remember, but I, I, I actually don't. Right. um and I, I, was guessing, I was just guessing
0: i was just guessing because i was like if it was Hamer hall that was actually the venue that i saw billy Connolly in when i
1: was oh really uh, yeah 17 it was a pretty old. big place but I, it, I know it wasn't that because it wasn't right. that name okay. it, it was it, the right across the street all right so but, uh so tell me about your experience doing well, it was things. great and you know look i've i've done a handful of shows in australia People th- – you know, that's – we talked right, we on other shows there. about but, yeah, people have, must think – because we're comics from right. Australia, people think I started there. But I right. started in America. Well,
0: the fact even that we, like, end up doing shows together because people are like, well, you guys are both Australian, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I mean, we'd never met before. I know, <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, but, but sure. th- you know, there's but – there, but, but people just assume. But I, you know, I can't get on stage in Australia anywhere. It just, it's just been impossible for me to even do – just sets in some right. places, uh-huh. you know. So I get to go over there and open her shows. Brisbane, which is my hometown, and then um, and then we did it in Perth. And then we did the end more right in Perfect. Sydney, which Brilliant. is pretty pretty. It's I mean, amazing. you know, I'm look, I'm just the opening act. It's not, ah, I'm not a, over. That's, a, my that's part a that's a great. But end, to yeah. do that is pretty. The Rolling pretty Stones pretty cool. played there. Yeah, I, I always like that kind of thing. Like you know, th- those sort of venues where people do that sort of stuff. But it was great to, you know, that's nice theater type stuff. But. But, you know, I do clubs, you know, I, I'm just a club guy and I, I like that and I like that sort of that intimacy and connecting with people and 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 it's just sort of you just it's more real sometimes, you know But you see people in stadiums and doing stand-up and you go Well, I hope you're making the money and everything because it's not gonna last, right. you know, you're not gonna be doing this shit People don't play stadiums forever, right. you know, but there's good like like when you say Billy Connolly I saw Billy in San Francisco right before I left and moved to LA um, 2008 and wasn't as big of a place, but it was still pretty big, yep. pretty big uh, hall theater. Holy shit! I loved it because I'd never seen him before, never seen him on stage, and wasn't as familiar with a lot of his stand-up. But just fucking hell, just I think might have been one of the best shows I've ever seen in my right. entire life. Yeah, this bloke just comes out and starts ta- talking, and like you said, it's like he's talking to me. Yeah, and that's what you know to create that intimacy, even in a bigger place. I mean, that is. This and this bloke, he's just powerhouse. So, powerhouse.
0: I've seen him a lot over the journey. He was the reason that I first started doing comedy. And, uh, you know, among my favorite comedians of all time, not necessarily my favorite, but among my favorite mm-hmm. comedians of all time. Um, but definitely the reason that I do comedy. Like, it would not have happened yeah. if I had not yeah. gone and seen Billy Connolly that night. I just had one of those experiences where I sat in the room and I was like, whatever the fuck this is, I need to I be want in on it. In this. I want like, in on this. Seriously, I just well, had that insight into that. Like, And I, I would have done whatever.
1: Had, can I ask this? Yeah, had you ever course. thought about being funny? Were you funny? I mean, was that was that in your mind anywhere? Like, I love making people laugh. Uh, and yeah. you saw that and you went, oh, that's the key. Yeah. Or were you thinking that already? Oh, no, 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 because I, I didn't even know what stand-up was. Really? Like, I grew up on a farm. My dad's a yeah. farmer and yeah, his yeah. dad's
0: a farmer. Like, we had two TV networks. Like, you know, I didn't know what stand-up was. Had you
1: done any acting or anything like that? So, so you, you were in that mindset. Yeah. yeah, I'd
0: done, like, drama and stuff at school. I was, But I was, like, I was really into, like, drama and, like, acting, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was... But I was also really into sports, like really into sports, and like quite a good Australian footballer. Because look at you,
1: (laughs) look at you! I wish people could see the difference between us. Because you know, you're 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 no, no, no. I'm just well built, yeah, big bloke. I'm overbuilt. You've uh, got a
0: good Australian rules footballer's body. (laughs) You were just in the
1: wrong country. (laughs) I know. Your
0: parents moved you away because of the art.
1: (laughs) I couldn't bounce the ball. I was so horrible at sports. You know, I've I've joked about it. I was a, I was a pale, pasty-faced book reading child that blossomed into a pale pasty faced, out of shape book reading adult (laughs) (laughs) but it's just but that's the thing that's what i that's why i wondered you know whether that was like it's such a revelation when you saw billy like oh that's what i could do right because i honestly did like i said before i sat there with my dad and we would watch i mean this is the stuff in the 70s you, you would watch benny hill and the two Ronnie's and and Paul Hogan and this and I loved people that made Made people laugh. That's what I really loved and in somewhere in my mind It was I want to be funny, right? And it was when I saw stand-ups on Letterman. That's that was to me You go. Oh shit You you, you just get up there and you do it because I'd been doing stuff with groups and try to you know It's all get together and rehearse and fucking it never works unless you've got four or five dedicated people like yourself, which I could never find but I love that, that you saw Billy, and that was when you went, I I, I want yeah. I want this. I was
0: like, I definitely want to be around it. I still, at that point, didn't know that I want... Maybe at that point, I knew I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, but I didn't really know what that was. Yeah, Because um, I went away to university and studied something else, and it then came back to comedy. Okay. But I still think, I, honestly, ever since that moment, like, I remember... I, I just think, oh, yeah, no, I, that's
1: what I want. There probably wasn't much of a scene... Like open mics oh, and, and and everything like that that you could go do. I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, first time we went
0: to see like you know stand up comedy was uh, Jamon, who you might not know. No, you ever heard of yeah. Jamon? Yeah. yeah, Um And he, we'd seen him on the TV. We caught the train down from the country. It's like a three hour train ride, mm-hmm. and we got to the venue. Like it was like an eight thirty show. We got there at like seven. Yeah, like yeah. we needed fake IDs because it was like a over eighteen show, and we got there at seven. You know, for the comedy show. We just thought it'd be Jamal, and it wasn't. It was like you know a lineup of other acts and mm-hmm. like a headliner. Jamone was headlining, um, so I had no idea what it was. Yeah. But I re- remembered it at high school. I'd done all like the plays and stuff, and I'd always liked to be funny. And I was a terrible actor, and I've never acted since. I've not. <laughs> oh I really? Yeah. But I was kind of considering doing acting just because, like you said, I was like I liked being funny, and
1: I didn't know well, there that's, was the, another that's the way thing, to thing do you it. think of. You go, right. you want to be in front of people? I'll act. Right. It's the go to. And then you realize, like, oh, no, well, yeah, I don't want to act. I want to go talk to people. I want to, I want to connect to people and make them laugh. But also the other
0: thing that, it, it like, appealed to me, and I've thought about this a lot since then, and it's still a trait that I have a big part of, and sometimes it gets me in a little trouble, is from a very young age, right up until now, I have been completely disrespectful of authority. Well, particularly what I consider to be unearned authority. Yeah. You know, people who think they're, you know, and so I would always have run-ins with teachers and stuff and comedy was always the way of you could usurp authority without getting in too much trouble. And Mm -hmm. that always appealed to me. And when I first started doing comedy, the the comedians that appealed to me were these people who was like, I love that Billy Colling was saying all these things. Like there was 80 year old women in the audience laughing at him because he was just so funny that he could call everyone a fucking idiot and this person when this was what was wrong with this. And I was like, that appealed to me. And they were the comedians I liked. The ones who were like, these people are being
1: disrespectful of everything that you but know. People in that say way that, that that needed to be said. Right. It wasn't disrespectful just for the sake of I'm no. being a cranky old fuck. I'm telling you because this is fucking the way it should be. Right. And how the fuck have we lost sight of what is right and wrong? Right. That is to me. That's what comedy is always supposed to have been. That that kind of that weird, strange person who looks a bit different going. You're fucking... Open your eyes. Yeah. This is all bullshit. What are you all thinking? Yeah. Like the person
0: that George Carlin turned into. Yes. That's what comedy is. But That's what I always think of it is this old
1: guy with a ponytail yelling at a cloud. How fucked <laughs> but- up they are. But look at but everyone. Now- people don't want to be told that everything's fucked up. That's the hard part of comedy now because it's the commerce part, which is, look, that's always existed. Uh But in clubs and whatever, you can't be up there going, the shit you watch on TV is bullshit. The fucking music you listen to, fucking the government... People don't want to hear that anymore uh, because they don't well, they because I've just written a whole show that's pretty much like that. So I really no, hope they do. Well, if they've come <laughs> for that, yes. But if yeah. they just got free tickets because right. they listened on the radio, no, I agree. Or the club called them up and said, "Hey, do you know fifty people? Oh, good, you're all going to the comedy club." Yeah. Those people don't want to listen to it because they don't they don't want to be challenged. And we've lost that somewhere where people come in. And and I mean, if you you look, yeah, if you go do your show exactly, if you people have come for you. But I find like on Friday night, everyone's worked all day or done whatever, and they've come to see some show, and you're up there fucking yelling and not even yelling, but I mean (laughs) telling them what's wrong. They're gonna go fuck this shit
0: (laughs) because they don't want that. All right. Well, we could keep talking all day, but uh, (laughs) I I feel like that we should finish it up. Now, tell people that we've talked, yeah, now we've talked about comedy. Uh, Where can people see you? Is there somewhere? Well, firstly, they can listen to your podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast.
1: Well, I'm a part of a podcast. I have a a partner, Margaret Cho, uh, and we do a podcast together, uh, Monsters of Talk. I've been on it. You've been on it. You were one of our early guests and that was a brilliant, brilliant big episode that we had and uh, it's great because Margaret's pretty amazing and she's got the best stories and she lives the greatest life and her experiences. So, you know, to sit down and have conversations, some of it's just her and I chatting like this Mm -hmm. and then we've had guests like yourself and, and, I mean, we just, last last year we started and we just... We just had all these. We went around the world and basically talked to people everywhere we went, and it was great. And but but also like you know people like Billy Bragg and Neil Finn. We had Billy Bragg on a couple. You know, sitting there talking Star Wars with Billy Bragg. You know, because I said he look he had his beard. I said you look like folky Ben Kenobi. With that beard, and he loved it, and he actually made it his Twitter <laughs> Folky handle, Foky Ben Cano, Wine. He changed it to Foky Wine Kenobi right. So I feel like we've collaborated on a right. bit, but you know, it's his description on 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 Twitter. Oh, you that's know, and I said, but, but do you even watch Star Wars? And so we get Billy Bragg talking about, you yeah, know, you have you heard a bit of me, you know whatever, you know, because it's, but it's it's just great. We had Joan Rivers and um, uh, um, Neil Finn, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. What was Joan Rivers like? She was unbelievable. Joan was really sweet and nice so humble she didn't want to be given any big intro she's just like I'm just Joan you know she was really nice and fucking stories just show business stories about you know just starting out and doing the Ed Sullivan show I love talking to people who've done I don't care who they are you know you you, you sit down with these comics who've been around since a certain time and they'll tell you about what it was like and it's it's just unbelievable to get there their bit of history it's just so great and and and, and she was just really just really uh, unbelievably nice you know and to me because it's like everybody knows margaret so they you know they're going to be cool to her i feel like when somebody's nice to me as well right like because they don't know am i just the, the, the techie am i just the guy setting up the <laughs> shit when they talk to you and look you in the eye and 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 have conversation with you as well you go, all right, that's that's not bad, you know. But she was really brilliant. All
0: right. It? Well, people can hear that. They can also um, hear us on the latest episode of Road Stories. Yeah, that was good. Uh, which was great fun. Uh, so uh, we, we, I definitely uh, should check out that. I've got a couple other podcasts that I'm on this week that I should mention. Uh, I'm on the Crab Feast. Well, last uh, week's episode of the Crab Feast uh, with Jay and Ryan. And Ryan's been on this podcast before and Jay's going to be on it soon. Um, that was just so much fun. And their fans online are amazing like the feedback you get from people and like the fact that they all got online to say good day. and so hopefully some of them are listening to the podcast now they said they were going to so a uh, big shout out to you guys if you've come over from the crab feast that was um brilliant fun to do and also i'm on a, a podcast uh, a more serious one talking about my career and stuff uh, media week australia um uh, i caught up with james manning when he was over in la so i'm talking about gruens plans for 2014 and a whole bunch of other career stuff so if you're interested in that you can check it at the media week australia podcast where can people find in- information about you so they know where they can find you do gigs and stuff at jimmy shelter on uh, yeah that's twitter. me on
1: twitter at jimmy shelter it's Is like the, the best s- place? it's like the stones gimme shelter but it's with a j and I-M-M-E. Is that the best
0: place for people to find yeah, you? Yeah, that,
1: that, that, and um, you know, I got videos. And, and where them. can people find those on YouTube slash Jokeslinger or YouTube slash Monsters of Talk? We've got some that are specific. Like I've taken clips from the some of the episodes and animated them. Oh, really? And they're really kind of cool, yeah. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've taken little bits and pieces of of uh, audio clips of us. The Star Wars thing with Billy Bragg, I animated that, and uh, the Wilco guys and Paul Foote and some of the people. So we've, oh, we've got amazing. some animations oh, on that's Oh, well,
0: have to, I'll put a link to that on the oh, cool. Facebook yeah. page and stuff as well when this episode goes up. Um, uh, I should mention, speaking of a- animation, uh, people have seen uh, maybe the James Fosdyke poster that for the new Will Illuminati tour. Uh, I had this guy, James Fosdyke, who does all the art for the podcast. And stuff, he's a really brilliant comic book artist, and he did my poster last year for my tour. Oh, cool! And this year, he's just done my new poster. And uh, 102 or something of people were able to. So, basically, we asked for I'll show you the crowd scene in a minute, but um, we asked people who are fans of mine who wanted to be on my poster this year oh, yeah. to send in uh, a picture. And so what basically what he's done is he's drawn them, like animated them. They're uh-huh. all in the poster, like with my haircut, like as this kind of like oh, cool. army. So if you are one of the people who sent in a photo, you might be able to spot yourself in the new poster. The tour is coming up really soon now. So um, Adelaide, Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney, I'll be at the Enmore, the beautiful Enmore Theatre. Sydney is selling really, really fast. So if you want to come in Sydney, i get, get in for that quick. And Adelaide's not that far away. So um, if you're in Adelaide, uh, the if you want to see the what I like to call the worldwide debut of the new show, <laughs> basically just means it's going to Adelaide first. Yeah, But, you know, that sounds more But you've got to
1: kick it off. You've got to make it like it's the first right. The first time. Yeah,
0: I'm coming fucking at you, Adelaide, and you're going to get to see some jokes that won't make it till the end of the tour. Yeah. And I think that's important. <laughs> you get to see those beloved characters before they're killed off in early episodes. Yes. Uh, Jim, this has been an absolute pleasure having you here. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks, mate. Cheers, mate.